Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. I love it. I love it. Hey, it's me again. Uh, Jono, I'm back. How are you guys doing today? <laughs> good, good. What? Socks. Many of you asked, and, uh, and, and I will show you my socks. Okay. Um, today, I'm really proud of these. Uh, they are... I don't want to fall. There are bananas on skateboards with sunglasses doing this. Come on, that's solid, right? I saw those. I got to have those. Um, I, I, love, I love all that we've experienced. My gosh, yesterday feels like a week ago. Is that just me or no? Um, did you guys have a good time today? Yeah. Yeah? Um, I, I, I got to see some of y'all running around having fun. Um, hopefully you got to do everything that you wanted to do and more. Um, but man, I just, I love having a good time here at River Valley Ranch. Um, and I want to step back to tomorrow, although it feels like a week ago. Um, what was the word last night? Peace. You guys are so good. Peace. Now, um, do you remember what that really means? Uh, there's a, there are three things, right? The, the first is that God was first in the story. That was part of God's plan. God was first in the story. The second thing about peace is that there was flourishing. Adam and Eve, man, they had purpose. They had identity. They were fully known and fully loved. It was beautiful. That was God's picture and his perfect plan. And lastly, there was right relationship between creation and kingdom, between creation and creator. That was God's plan. But then what was this morning's word? Vandalism. Vandalism. What happened is we vied for first place. We stopped loving God and we said, how about we try to reorder this thing and we'll go first. How about the story goes around us first? And in so doing, we introduced sin. And sin created a barrier, a boundary, a wall infinitely long, high, and deep that separated us from God. The primary problem of sin is not so much the problems that it creates in our lives and everything that stems from it, but the fact that we are separated from the person who brings peace to begin with. And so there was a death debt that was incurred. For the wages of sin is death. And God didn't want us to die because we were the object of his affection. We were the love of his life. And so he enacted his great rescue plan. And so I, I want to tell you, in fact, in the last two weeks, my wife and I have walked through a real-life rescue plan that has kept us up, um, kept us praying, um, looking for updates time and time again. You see, my wife has an adopted sister, so my sister-in-law, um, who is from Ukraine. And she, so my wife is originally from Florida. They, they live in Florida. Well, she happened to be in Kiev when the raids started. And, uh, and so we didn't know that initially. It was already shocking news. It, it was already headlines that I'm sure everyone here, you, you don't know how to feel about it. it. It's that pinpoint that we can so often do where, where we are just drawn to injustices. We're not so good at making peace, but man, can we point out injustices? We're so good at seeing them. And so the news was all over the place, but then suddenly Katya was a part of the news for us. We said, oh my gosh. And uh, we were like, all right, well, wh well, what's the plan, right? At that point, all you're concerned with is how is she gonna get rescued from this situation because it seems dire, seems desperate, it seems bad. And so um, uh, she, step one was to get on a train to Lviv, 
which is uh, west, closer to Poland. The goal was to get into Poland so she could fly home. And she finally, after trying and trying, got on a train, but this was not before sleeping in parking garages, staying up all night, hearing gunfire and explosions. And so I love River Valley Ranch, but that's happening. And that's hard to ignore. Man, the world needs the peace of God. And so finally she makes it onto the train, she gets to Lviv, uh, but then the next problem, she can't get over the border. Um, it's, it's ugly, and everyone is trying to get out of Ukraine. And so um, she is stuck, backed up, fearful. Um, she's like, it's gonna take days to get there, do we walk? She hasn't changed, she hasn't showered, she's barely slept, she hasn't had food. And so this is concerning, right? And, and my wife and I are just waiting for update after update after update, praying, praying, praying. Well, um, family, friends, this is like the craziest connection. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll never ever get on the bad side of my father-in-law. <laughs> they have some connections to basically like uh, Liam Neeson in the movie Taken in real life. The guy is from Texas literally as soon as all this went down, got on a plane, flew out to Ukraine, and his whole thing has been, I'm just helping people get across the border. Um, crazy, crazy stories, this guy. And so he sacrificially says, I'm on it. Goes, goes into Ukraine, finds her and the people she was traveling with, and safely gets them across the border into a hotel where they can sleep and eat and shower and rest. And the good news is within the last week, she, she made it back to Orlando. And so she is home and safe and with her husband. Um, but you can imagine, thank you. You can imagine how that feels, right? Well, so the thing is, we're so good at identifying injustices, but we don't realize that we need rescuing and that, that the same kind of lean forward into that kind of a story. We do it for movies, but we forget in real life that we need to be rescued, don't we? We forget that there are some serious problems that we would rather snap away if we could. And so God enacted his wonderful, perfect picture of rescue, his plan for us. I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 2, um, starting in verse 4. It says this, but because of God's great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So that no one can boast this is what that verse is, is speaking to. The author, Paul, is speaking to the gospel, what we call the gospel, the story of Jesus Christ. See, here's what it was, the rescue plan. Are you ready? That God sent his one and only son. And he sent his son to live a perfect life. From birth to death, Jesus was flawless, See, that's important because we incurred a debt we could never pay. It's as if you had $5 million to pay off. You think you're going to pay that off anytime soon? 
<laughs> no. And we incurred this death debt through our sin, our rebellion, our disobedience to God, and we didn't have the means to pay. But by our lives, the very ones that God, in his love for us, did not want us to spend. So he said, I will send my son in your place. He will live a perfect life so that he satisfies perfectly the demand of that debt, paid in full. He died the death that you and I deserved. And not, not only that, but he died on a cross, which at the time was a torture device. And much more than that, it was used for humiliation. It was used to incite shame. It was used to spread a message to any and everyone else. They would put crosses with dead bodies on it at the gateways of their cities to say, you don't break the law here. He didn't just die, as it says in Philippians 2. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, in the very beginning, we talked about Adam and how he hid in shame from God. And then Jesus says, well, I'll die in shame for you. I won't just pay the debt, but I will pay every consequence you've had to live with since you introduced sin into this world. I'm willing. He died the death that we deserve so that we might live the life that he deserved. This is the picture of the gospel, but not just this. He didn't just become obedient to death. He didn't stay dead. He came back to life. And if you think it's crazy, it is. <laughs> because nobody else, as far as I'm aware, has ever, ever, ever done this. And I'll tell you, where logic seems to fill in blanks or where logic seems to be lacking, let me tell you, go with the person who said they were going to die and come back to life and then did it. He came back. Why? You know, um, we're going to talk a little bit later about it is finished. You go, well, if it was finished and then he died, why did he come back? You ever ask yourself that? I remember I was a kid, and I, I don't know if it was smart or I was just being like the, the, the punk, but I was like, why, why, why do you have to come back? And, and I think it's a few reasons, but first, to defeat death. Because you and I all have one thing before us that we fear, that we work as if it's coming tomorrow. You know, we don't like death. We don't like losing loved ones. That's a valid fear. Death sucks. It stinks, it stings, it hurts. You know, I wanna put my life and faith and trust in the one who said, death ain't got nothing on me. He put to death, death itself. He said, you know, the one thing that's inescapable, the one thing that every person approaches, that every person heads toward, that every person makes decisions in light of, that, that every person feels the sting of, he said, that's the one thing I'm gonna solve forever. Because that is not a part of my universal flourishing, nothing missing, nothing broken. So he solidified all his promises in his resurrection. Because if you doubted that you could have peace surpassing understanding, he said, well, let me put death, uh, well, let, me, let me kill death, and then do you believe you can have peace surpassing understanding? He said, um, hope like an anchor for the soul. I mean, you don't believe that, do you, because of your circumstances? Well, he said, well, let me, let me put death to death. Do you think you can have hope in the middle of a storm? 
Oh my gosh, every one of his promises lined up, knocked down, believe it or not, you've got something to hold on to because he put death to death. He, he proved his promises. He defeated death, proving his power, his dominion. But he didn't stop there. He made a way back to God for us. Because remember, we'd, we'd settle for just no pain and no problems in life. But is that peace? Is that God's plan? No. Universal flourishing is not just the absence of problems. Man, it's everything gl- glowing and blooming and blossoming. That is God's plan. And he makes a way. And let me tell you, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You will be hard-pressed to find anything of those categories outside of him. He is the way. Now, that might seem harsh and selective. It's not the heart of our God. See, what's harsh and selective is if he said, hey, you screwed up, you broke the plan, good luck. That would be cruel, but that is not the story. For him to provide any way at all, especially by means of a loving Savior named Jesus, that is a picture of God's grace. He made a way back to God. And in his resurrection, we get one thing we couldn't have if he stayed dead. Living relationship with our Savior. Remember, I said, you don't want the garden without God. You don't get the garden without God. So why are we trying to just get back to when life was okay? We want to get back to God's plan. Because I know you are just as plagued by the hard questions in life as I am. What's my purpose and identity? What am I doing here? Am I known? Am I loved? Do I have people? Am I isolated? What's, do I make a difference? I know you are asking those. You don't want to just remove problems. You want to flourish in God's perfect plan of peace. Now, this is really good news, is it not? This is good news. In fact, that's what gospel translates to. Translates to good news. And this gospel that we talk about, it gets even better. I mean, this morning we were getting worse and worse and worse, right? And now tonight it gets better and better and better, I promise you. It's good news because God set out on this rescue mission and then he said, I will present this to you as a free gift. The word for tonight, gift. What's the word for tonight? Gift. What is the word for tonight? Gift. Thank you very much. The word tonight is gift because this rescue plan was a gift and it was bought by God's justice, but it brought with it God's mercy and his grace, two essential components that go with the gospel, as much as justice. Let me explain mercy and grace to you all real quick. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Think of somebody who would be begging for mercy. It's somebody who is caught in the act, dead wrong. And they say, please, please have mercy on me. Do not give me what I am owed. Where grace is receiving the exact thing you don't deserve. So what happens when you're caught in the wrong and you deserve punishment, you beg for mercy, you get forgiveness. That's wonderful. But what if they take it a step further and they said, and now I'm going to give you the thing you don't deserve. God's grace, listen, is far better than you could ever, ever, ever comprehend. And more than any judgment and condemnation, grace will change you forever if you let it. 
So long as you fixate on it, look for it, strive for it, try to understand it, man, it'll keep you occupied the rest of your life. God's grace is wonderful. In fact, I want to convey this um, in a story. There's a, there's a son and his father, and the son accidentally breaks a window. And, and then the father addresses it with him, and the kid gets really defensive. So he gets angry. He raises his voice, and now he's yelling at his father. His father wasn't even going to yell at him. He just wanted to know, how'd the window break? How'd the window break? This kid gets up, and the father says, all right, listen, go to your room. Go to your room. You're grounded. Now, we've all been there, right? Little punk deserved it. No. <laughs> right? <laughs> We've all been there. We've all broken windows and then been grounded. Um, now, he's in the room, and he's sitting there, and then he hears a knock. And the father opens the door, and he comes, and he sits on the end of his bed, and he says, hey, son, I want to talk to you. I, I, I want to explain some stuff that just happened. Listen, you, you did something wrong. You, you, you broke something. He says, and then, and not only that, but, but you hurt me. You raised your voice and I wasn't even going to punish you, but you really hurt me. So not only is something broken, but now our relationship is broken. Do you understand that you deserve to be grounded? Do you understand that you owe me a window and an apology? Yes, dad, I do. I'm, I'm sorry. I'll do whatever you need. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. And he says, no, 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 I want to teach you a lesson. You deserve punishment, and that is what we call justice. He said, but I want to teach you about mercy. He said, mercy doesn't mean that the bill doesn't have to get paid. We got to fix the window. But I will pay it and forgive you of your debt. That, son, is what we call mercy. Thanks, Dad. And he says, I have one more lesson to teach you. Get your shoes on. Come on, we're going to the car. Get in the car. Let's go. And he's like, what? Hey, so he gets his shoes on, gets out. They get in the car. He's like, where are we going, dad? Like, what, what, what's going on? And this is a kid who's already like, what just happened? I broke the window. I yelled at my dad. He came in. And I'm like, what is happening? And, and they arrive at this kid's favorite place, a little ice cream shop on the corner. And he says, all right, son, whatever you want, my treat. What? He said, I want you to understand that you were wrong and you owed me. I forgave the debt and now I want to teach you about the most amazing thing that you won't find this side of heaven. Grace. I'm going to give you the exact thing you don't deserve. Whatever your favorite treat is. See, this is a picture of the grace of God. And the moment in which I see the grace most clearly displayed for us is on the cross when Jesus finally says, it is finished. In John 19.30, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. It is finished. In my opinion, is the most powerful statement ever made in all of history. Yeah? Yeah, you might not be convinced. <laughs> That's my job. I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. And this is personal. I just got to tell you, the grace of God is personally the affection of my heart. I, I can't wrap my mind around it. It 
is finished. Meaning in that moment, the word he spoke was tetelestai. And what that translates to is paid in full. It was a legal term that they would stamp on debts that had been paid. And what he was saying in that moment is the death debt that our sin, our disobedience incurred was paid in full in one moment. In one moment. And then he bowed his head. But what spiritually took place went so unnoticed. In fact, in the temple, there was somewhere called the Holies of Holies, which was representative of the very presence of God. Now remember, our problem isn't just sin, it's separation. And spiritually, what took place is that that veil separating God's presence from all of humanity tore from the top down. And it unleashed the presence of God available and accessible to all humans forever. This was God's plan coming back to life. It is finished, and in one moment, that wall, infinitely long, high, and deep, that nothing you could ever try and do would ever, ever get you to the other side, was gone. And we had access. But that's only half the problem, right? Because we turned away from God. And so now we've got a decision to make. Will we turn back to God? The biblical word here is to repent. It literally means to turn away, to turn away from life of sin and turn towards God. And it is both, don't miss, because you know what I know you do because I do it too, is we turn from sin to sin to sin to sin and we think it's gonna work and fix it and it doesn't. And time after time we are disappointed, we're still broken, we still feel hopeless because we have yet to turn to the one source of peace. I love the picture that we just saw of God demonstrating and displaying his peace for us. Jesus made a way by removing the dividing wall. I love how it says it in, a, in Ephesians. If we go back to Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 13, it says this, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near to the, by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. We could stop right there. Praise the Lord. The dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them, God, to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Hostility died on the cross. He came and preached peace to those who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Praise the Lord. And when you hear peace, he is our peace. He makes peace. He preached peace. The whole life of Jesus was saturated by the mission to restore the plan that God had from the beginning. What was the word last night? Peace. peace. He brought it back. Now, you might be thinking, well, why is the world still so messed up? Well, yes, we are still sinful people in a fallen world. And we still have an enemy of our faith. 
Those things will continue to create problems. But let me tell you how I know Jesus' mission didn't fail because his promise were proven in his resurrection. And so when he makes a promise that you can have peace surpassing understanding, it looks like this. When you don't think you should have peace, you can't even explain and put into words the thing that's happening in you to say, I don't know why, but I feel peace here. I can't make sense of it because I'm a sinful person. I'm undeserving of this free gift. I live in a fallen world and I feel attacked and yet I have peace. What? There's no other way. Jesus is the way. And man, you want the peace. But the cross also says something incredible about you. Because if you want to know the value of something, you look to the cost of something. You go, oh, that's a price I can't pay. Have you ever wondered your value? Have you ever questioned your value? The cross has a story for you because you were bought by the blood of Jesus. Now that sounds creepy perhaps, but I'm telling you it is significant and it is good news because this, imagine, I'm a nobody, but if I gave my life for you tonight, you lived and I died to make that happen. Do you think you'd forget that sometime soon? No. I think that would change the way you view things going forward. I think you would, and and I'm a nobody, but Jesus did that for you. Somebody died for you. Uh, Scripture says it this way, no greater love than this, that one would lay down their life for another. No greater love. If you ever questioned your value, you didn't realize how loved you were already. I love how Charles Spurgeon says it. Consider how precious a soul must be when both God and the devil are after it. You probably didn't realize that there is spiritual warfare that happens over you and because of you. They're saying, no, they're mine. Nope, they're mine. No, they're mine. You didn't know you were that valuable. So you get picked last in in dodgeball and then you think, man, I have no value. No, there's a spiritual warfare that they're saying, he's on my team. He's behind the king of kings. This is good News. And the more clearly we see the cross, the more clearly we see ourselves. Listen to this devotion. We begin to understand that I am too low to think less of anyone else at the foot of the cross. And however morally righteous we can act pales in comparison to how morally flawed we really are. Suddenly, my need for help and my need for salvation become as critical as the air in my lungs. I need Jesus. And at the same time, I see myself as worth such a high cost from such a high king. Who am I that I would deserve such a loving response for my brokenness? This is an amazing thing. The cross tells us this, Tim Tim Keller says, we are far worse than we ever imagined and far more loved than we ever dared dream. Did you know that? This gift is free, but listen, a gift requires a response. A gift has to be received. It's free, free for the taking, and it's offered to every one of you. We call receiving this free gift salvation, and salvation has two meanings, and I love both. Rescued and set free. And the reason I love both is because when I think rescued, I think I'm in a dire situation. If I don't get out, the end is bad. 
I need saving because of what has happened to me here. But set free says, now I am free for everything before me. And so in the same moment of receiving this free gift of salvation, God has set you free from your past, but for your future. He has said, I'm going to set you free from something and for something all in one. I got a gift that will cover your whole life. It will redeem your past. It will save you from not the world. Salvation is not saying, God, the world is broken and missing. Save me from it. Salvation is saying, God, I am missing something and broken. Save me from myself. And he sets you free. And and salvation is like saying, I want God's story to be my story. I want to be redeemed back to the peace plan he had in the beginning. That is what salvation is, this free gift. But you have to understand your brokenness, your helplessness, and your need for Jesus. First, you have to. See, you didn't just need a fixed life. Imagine if you broke some valuable artifact, only, only one of its kind, worth millions. Do you think enough glue and duct tape and time and WD-40 is going to help you? Yeah, it'd be all right. It'd be okay. It'd be good for my standard, but, but no. The truth is, people would see right through it. You don't need a fixed life. You need a new life. You need a brand new life. And there's only one place you get it. From the person who creates life. The author of life. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. This gift is incredibly personal. I don't want you to think of it as me saying, Jesus died for all y'all. I want you to think of it as Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. He died for you. He died for me. So that we could step into something we can't get any other way. There is no other way. Now listen, this kind of a personal act requires a response. If somebody got you a brand new car, you think you'd write them a thank you? Well, what about a brand new life? This requires a response. But here's what I got to say. Your response, if you don't accept God, does not change the fact he made you in his image, that he loves you, and that the leaders that are here with you today love you. It doesn't change any of that. You are not judged differently. There are eternal consequences, and we love you too much to not see you walk in the way of life and to talk with Jesus, to go forward. Christ died for you knowing you might not respond to him. He did it because he loves you. And, and there's not a truer picture of what love is than that, I guarantee it. So there are two responses, I feel, that every person in this room could make. Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a promise. And Jesus came back to prove all those promises. And the second is in Psalm 107, 2, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. So maybe for you, It's about time you said, I'm calling out to the name of the Lord because I'm done with the life I got. And maybe for you, you've enjoyed the life of God, but you have a story that you got to do something with because someone needs to hear it. Your story might not change everybody, but it will change somebody. 
If you know the grace of God, don't hide it. Man, it's the most rare treasure, the most rare gift. Remember the man who found the kingdom of God in the field sold everything to go get this plot of land. I'm going to read a poem to close, and you're about to go into groups and talk all about this with your leaders. But let me read this poem. I love this poem, um, and it's, it's, uh, it's told from two points of view. The first is Jesus speaking to you, and the second is our response to him. If you've got to close your eyes to pay attention, do so. This is Jesus to you. Has it ever crossed your mind that this cross of mine that I chose willingly was intended to set you free? More so that I wanted you back, made new and whole completely intact. You are and always will be worth every drop. I am so in love with you, my very heart stopped. Now, I don't expect you to understand how can you, but there is so much I want to invite you into, and the cross is the only way. So be it. The power of death, I will defeat it. Obedient to death, I will make my stand. I will restore what my father had planned. You and me, harmony, intimacy, identity, security, costly but freely offered for now and all eternity. Everything you have ever and will ever try fails. My solution, albeit hard to accept, was just three nails. But they aren't what held me there. My love for you kept me on that tree. A hope and a dream of us together again. That is what my motive has always been. Please try to understand your value because what I did says something earth-shattering about you. Loved and known, reunited, not alone. My kingdom is now your home. Your heart I own, so trade in your heart of stone. Take up a heart of flesh. Breathe deep. Smile. New life is always fresh. Jesus It just doesn't make sense. Your death on the cross is to my offense. It means I'm messed up. It means I'm broken and lost. Isn't it too much, too big, too great a cost? Do I deserve the cross? Certainly, I'm not worth your death. Your first love cost you your final breath. But I have to do something about your love. It is my own, is what my only hope consists of, and it's too great, too deep, too much to avoid. Plus, nothing else I have ever tried fills my soul's void. Your love says I'm worth it even though I don't deserve it. What you offer and what I need seem to be a perfect fit, but I don't get it. I mean, I, I've searched and there's no other answer in all creation, and I don't get it because it confuses and wrecks me. There's no explanation, except you love me. I accept your love for me, and it changes everything. I still see death, but it has lost its sting. I'm not perfect, but I'm forgiven. My failures and sins taken, given a new name so that I can proclaim his name, my Savior and my Lord, my lifeblood and my hope restored. Freedom through Jesus' name, a new way to see trial and pain. I will not be robbed of identity, and purpose will be given to me, a mission to sacrifice willingly for my love of God and for others to see, to bring his kingdom to earth to remind every life of its worth everything is different everything is new and all of it complete in the cross and found only in you
Lord, we thank you so much for this story, this rescue mission that triumphs over all. There's nothing that could be greater. Lord, every story that looks like this is just a cheap replica. Lord, you are the centerpiece of our faith. God, I thank you that you made a way when there was no way. Lord, that you said no matter the cost, I will pay it because I love them too much. And God, I sincerely pray that the hearts in this room would hear this gospel message for the first time or like it's the first time, God, that they would be drawn back to you. God, we thank you for this night and this opportunity to reflect on your message, your truth, the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in your name that we pray all these things. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.